Welcome, everyone, to the Hopeless Professionals podcast. This is episode three. This is Damon here. And Travis. Hey, Travis, don't forget to check us out at hopelessprofessionals.com or twitch.tv slash hopelessprofessionals. Uh, we've got some interesting things to talk about this week. Travis and I have been pretty busy um, with some personal endeavors that we've been working on for the website. I would like to start with what we're currently playing. Myself, I'm playing Bayonetta 1, trying to burn through it as quickly as possible so that I can get to Bayonetta 2 because I've heard that that game is better than the first one in every way. And I think the first one is pretty incredible, so I can't wait to get to the next one. I also finished Celeste since the last time we met up. I finished Shadow of the Colossus, and I even wrote a review and I recorded a video review, which was quite an exciting experience. And we're going to dive into that a little later. Uh, Travis, tell me what you've been playing since the last time we talked. So I've still been playing a lot of Golf Story on the Switch. That's been a lot longer of a game than I had anticipated it to uh, to be. And then I got my PC hooked up, so that came in. Um, got a monitor and everything set up, kind of a primitive setup, but we've been able to stream on Twitch. And right now, if I have any any time, I've been playing The Witcher 1 because, I mean, if it's not too well known, I'm obsessed with The Witcher series. So getting to play the earlier entries in that that saga, I'm, I'm having a blast. So I have, a, I have a question for you regarding The Witcher. How different is the first Witcher game compared to Wild Hunt? It's it's kind of it's probably not a fair question for, to ask me as a total homer, is because I just I see what they kind of built on. There are times when I feel like you know, oh man, like if I didn't know if if my first ever like exposure to The Witcher was Witcher One, I don't think it would have hooked me as much as Witcher Three did. But seeing that stepping stone or like how they built their way up to the world that The Witcher 3, uh, you know, kind of lies within, uh, I think that's that's where I can appreciate what a lot of the things going on, especially the chapter-based story that they have where it's not open world. Uh, it's, it's partially open world, and there's a lot within it, but uh, it's definitely a, kind of a, an early rough draft of, of The Witcher 3 that CD Projekt Red made everybody fall in love with. That's pretty interesting. You know, that sounds – I did play a little bit of um, Witcher 2, Assassins of Kings, and that game is – at least the opening three chapters that I played is like the first chapter is is the opening. The second chapter is 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 another totally separate thing, and then from what I remember, the third chapter starts to open up an area of the world where you can backtrack, but for the most part, you're moving forward in a more linear fashion. Yeah. Yeah. Basically the way that this one does is it's kind of done. Like, I think it's a, there's five chapters and then a, a prologue. So the prologue is the tutorial where you can kind of go through and kind of see what's oh, going cool. on. Yeah. It's neat. Um, I like the way they did that. It's good exposure to the combat system, which is uh, each school, each Witcher school, there's three of them, has its own style of combat. So if you know, you're going to do strong attacks, you're doing one school, or if you're going to do group attacks, you do a different one. And so it just shows you kind of what that means, and it explains some of the differences between the steel and silver swords, and you're learning the signs and stuff. So it's it's an interesting take, because obviously they re-explain all that in every game, but this is kind of, I think, their first attempt. And so going in with my you know, already kind of large knowledge base. It's fun to see what that would be like for somebody who had never played. Yeah. I'm looking forward to being able to try that, um, soon. I, I, I would like to see where the story starts because they did a great job with three because you didn't have to have a previous knowledge really. 
and and they did a good job of in introducing characters that if you knew who they were, you know, you would have gotten a little bit more out of the story. But for the most part, as people were coming into the the story and and, and developing within the action in the game, you felt like they had a a, a good development timeline. In regards to character progression and everything, right, right, and, I, and that actually brings up something I meant to mention is they they do something that I found to be kind of hilarious is uh, Geralt as you start this, you know, he has this battle or you know this thing that happens as he's going on a, a Witcher contract and he completely you know he, he has complete amnesia, and in doing this, everyone you meet that you know is excited to see him has to explain to him who they are and which gives you as the player all the knowledge base that he's going to have so there's no like assumptive this that or whatever um think deepstra in with the witcher 3 where you know that they had a kind of history which i know of because of the books and uh but you don't get that there you just understand that there's this weird tension that they've moved on from but you know, they're just not huge fans of one another. And I thought that was a kind of a, a funny way. You know, it made me laugh when I realized that's just kind of how they, they took on that uh, that obstacle. Um, one other question I have regarding The Witcher, because I, I have not played it now, with, with The Witcher 3, it's a very real-time combat system. Um, you can pause or slightly slow down as you pick your spells and stuff, but for the most part, you're dodging, parrying, and, and attacking in real time. Is it the same for the first game, or is that more of a, like a point-and-click sort of RPG? Oh, it's total point and click. So I was expecting, this is my first ever exposure to um, to like what I was expecting to be kind of a, a standard keyboard and mouse. And even in choosing the keyboard and mouse option, there are things for the uh, the UI that you can do on the keyboard, but it's a you click on your enemies and then you wait for uh, an indicator to click again and that continues the combo. If you don't hit it the, at the right timing, you know, then the combos start over and you're not dealing as much damage. And that's really interesting. I, I am excited to check that out. Um, I wanted to add, you know, since we're talking about combat systems, Bayonetta has probably one of the most fun combat systems in an action-type game. I'm not sure if you've ever played anything like Devil May Cry, um, but Bayonetta is very reminiscent of that sort of style where everything's very flashy and it's moving fast and you're flipping and dodging and flying through the air as you perform these insane moves. And that is one thing that I I really find fun about playing this game is just watching the ridiculousness as she summons like these these demons and gigantic fists out of thin air as you're fighting these these just ungodly looking angel creatures. It's really interesting and the only <laughs> The only problem I have, I wouldn't say it's a problem, but I would say that the story just makes absolutely no sense at times. It it feels like going off of what you said with The Witcher, they have this huge backstory for Bayonetta and you have no clue what the hell they're talking about as they introduce new character after new character. And you can tell there's a history there, but they're more along the lines of they expect you – to know who these people are and why they're important. They don't do a very good job of saying like, oh, that's who this guy is and this is who this girl is and this is why you're doing what you're doing. Although there is a little bit of an amnesia that plays into the story. Bayonetta doesn't really know a lot about her history and she's trying to figure that out, but she does know that she's a witch and she's being hunted by these angels and that's pretty much it. Interesting. 
But I will say that the, the flashiness of the game and the uh, you'll see I did write a blog post where I mentioned that the art style of the game complements the absurdity of the story. So it's easy to forgive how ridiculous everything is when you're seeing what's going on on screen. Oh, yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm excited for you to play it, especially if you like action-type games, because the way that this game is is set up, it's divided into chapters where you can play. Each chapter is anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes long, um, if, if you're not dying, of course. If you're dying, you might be replaying the same sections over and over again, which can feel a little infuriating, but there's really no penalty other than you get a you get a stone medal at the end that kind of says, well, you suck at action games, sorry. <laughs> um as for other stuff I'm currently playing, I am not really playing a whole lot else besides I did finish Shadow of the Colossus, which I I would I would like everyone who's listening to check out my video review and kind of let me know what you think. We're going to go into in depth on how I created that and what I thought of that whole process. Um, Travis, is there anything else you want to add to our currently playing before we move on to um, news and upcoming games? Uh, no. Um, I mean, I keep trying and playing little bitty bits of uh, Monster Hunter, but I just, with the way things have been going and I've been totally hoarding my PC time, I haven't got the chance to really get a, get that going in stride. So I, I keep hearing great things of people talking about it, uh, but I haven't really made it very far into it. Yeah, that's the same issue I'm having now. I see people that we play with online and they're awesome looking armor sets. And I'm just kind of like, well, I want to play it, but I have so many other things at the same time that I want to do. It's kind of hard to devote time to a game where I know there's really no ending at the moment. Yeah, yeah, especially this. It seems like one of those things where if you're not playing the appropriate way or with people, uh, you know, it makes it more challenging. That's what kind of logged me out of my interest was I kept dying to this one monster and I had to go upgrade a couple of things, then go back and try, which didn't take a long time. I just wasn't invested enough to do that immediately. Um, so something with me in that game just isn't clicking uh, enough for me to to be trying that hard. Yeah, I think that is one of the key points of that game. And anybody who's listening, please correct me if I'm wrong. But I do think a lot of it is attempting these hunts. And then when you realize either, A, it's too hard or you don't have the right stuff, you kind of do go out and farm lower-level creatures to be able to make better weapons and armor so that you can continually kind of move up the the chain of of, um, the food chain, so to speak. Right. Right, it seems like that's kind of the way that it is, but it's it's interesting. It's definitely, I mean, I, I don't hear as many bad things about it as I hear good. It's just, uh, especially, you know, again, I'm just going to keep talking about my PC. Uh, and, you know, I, with the recent download of Mass Effect after I play The Witcher 1 and 2, it seems like I'm going to, my, my catalog of games is now opened up to so many things I've never played as opposed to just the, you know, Bayonetta and some of these new games coming out. So I'm at some point I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to create a system to, to manage not only my buying, but my playing time. In your backlog, which, um, is already, at least for myself is massive because of my, um, I feel ashamed to say it, my, my destiny one addiction. Yeah. <laughs> we do well there. I was watching some of those videos today. Um, cause I got jealous of your, your awesome video, uh, which we'll let you talk about here in a little bit, but I tried to take some of our clips and put them on my computer so that I could make some, not a montage, but just kind of a showing of, of some of our gameplay. And, uh, and I, 
really had a hard time just with the time that would go into moving things here and there. So, again, props to you for how well you did with that. All right. Well, thank you. Um, We're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to do news and upcoming games that are going to be releasing within the next month. Um, All right. We'll see you in a minute. Welcome back. Travis, um, tell me, what, what's some upcoming news that you're excited about? I'm really looking forward to They announced, I guess it was this last week, that's the Star Wars movie, uh, number eight, whose name escapes me, which I'm a bad fan. Uh, it's coming the Last out. Jedi? The Last Jedi. Woo! It comes out on March 27th, the same day as the Destiny patch. And um, so I'm looking forward to that. I, I've watched that's it once. Right. So I'm going to watch the hell out of that whenever it comes out. Um, yeah, you know, I I have the original collection on Blu-ray. I have The Force Awakens on Blu-ray. And now I'm wondering if I want to get this one two weeks early on digital HD or if I want to wait the two weeks and get the 4K Blu-ray plus digital. Um, because I don't own any 4K DVDs at the moment, and I just bought the Xbox One X back when it released about two months ago, and I've not I've not used it for anything except to I have I have downloaded a bunch of Xbox 360 games to play uh, backwards compatible, but I have not used it for any of its so-called upgrades the 4k native 4k you know all that good stuff so i am kind of i'm kind of excited to maybe get a 4k last jedi blu-ray and just and see if it if it really looks any better than a normal blu-ray i i I expect that it would i just i haven't i haven't yet seen what a 4k dvd looks like yeah that is a good point i uh, I still am quite skeptical on whether my four k t v actually runs in four k or not, but I also don't know that I've ever played anything in four k aside from a horizon on it um so that's still kind of up in the air uh, but mentioning the xbox one um we're looking forward to still a couple things going on there and they recently announced a game that i played a long time ago when i was just really young i mean i just ran back and forth on the first level and put in cheat codes uh was turok um i really liked that game um which is kind of when it was I was a young console gamer and had no gaming experience. I just thought it was a neat, immersive world where you could swim and climb in caves. Everything was square. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I'm interested to see that kind of come back. I think they're doing the first and the second one. Oh, that would be – that's exciting. Um, I I did play the hell out of the first Torah game. It, it's, it was probably one of the first, like – when it comes to first-person shooters on a console, I, I, I want to say, and I, I could be wrong, I might just be remembering this because I was a Nintendo gamer when I was a child, that I, that, that was one of the first games where you really were in first-person and you were able to move and look kind of freely on a console. Um, I do remember that it was one of the foggiest games ever you couldn't see more than like 10 feet in front of you as you made your way around the world which was obviously a limitation of the the hardware at the time so i'm interested to see what the first torok plays like now with a updated control scheme updated graphics i i do remember that torok 2 seeds of evil was in my opinion 
from what I remember, way better than the first one in terms of graphics, in terms of, of story, in terms of gameplay. So I'm, I'm excited. When does that come out? Are you, is it the first week of March? I think so. Um, I believe so. And then just to kind of back up what you're saying, as far as it was it the first, first person shooter where you could, you know, do some of the things that you're talking about. Um, it released on February 28th, 1997, because my first thought was Goldeneye and, uh, Goldeneye didn't come out until August. So obviously it probably, uh, you know, got some of what it was doing from Turok because it did capitalize on, you know, the real first person. Here's the gun. Here's that. And there's nothing else going on. And yeah, I thought that was pretty neat. So I didn't realize. So Turok and Goldeneye came out the same year, 1997. Yes. Yeah. Goldeneye obviously getting game of the year for 1998. Wow. I, I did not know that. Um, I played, oh yeah, you're right. August, 1997. Um, I will say I played way, way, way too much Goldeneye 007 back in my time. That was the first time I can remember crowding around a tiny, like, 13-inch gaming TV um, with four people running around wildly just, like, chopping and shooting and Oh, do you remember? Do you remember stacks or the facility? Probably the two best levels ever. Yeah, the in multiplayer, my, my favorite, absolutely. Oh man, that brings back some memories. Um, I am curious to check this out. I think I will if it. And this is only on Xbox at the moment, correct? Yeah, to the extent of my knowledge, yes. Okay, I will definitely be taking a look at that. Um, if anybody follows. Naughty Dog on Twitter, you may have noticed a interesting tweet that went out a couple days ago. Uh, Neil Druckmann, who is the creative director of The Last of Us, uh, he was also, I believe, creative director on Uncharted 2 and then also Uncharted 4. You know, and then, of course, him and Bruce Straley were the ones who basically created The Last of Us. It was their idea to have this sort of post-apocalyptic world, gritty, kind of realistic story, relatable characters. Um, Neil Druckmann tweeted out a photo of him next to a dog in a mocap suit. Um, and if if any anybody has read the comments that followed this picture pretty much the one consistent sentiment that everyone is saying is basically if you kill this dog we're done (laughs) um which 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 makes me think of other dogs in gaming i remember one of the first within the, the most recent console generation um dogs in video games was riley from call of duty ghosts and and I remember a lot of people had the same sort of reaction when they first showed that dog in the trailers was if you kill the dog, you know, you guys are monsters. And I remember in that game, there is a scene where you're escaping and the dog gets shot and you have to carry the dog through this like battle zone to a helicopter to escape. And luckily the dog survives, but it doesn't then join you later on in the game. Um, and then that kind of made me think about other dogs in gaming. I believe there's a dog in Fallout, and yes. there's also one in Metal Gear Solid Five. Those are both games that I have not put a lot of time into. Although I will say the intro chapter to Metal Gear Solid Five is one of the most off-the-wall 
incredible experiences and it makes me want to go back and play that game again just to see if it's any good i've uh, i've never played any i played uh it was some it was one of the metal gear solids where you you start off on a boat and it's dark that's metal gear solid 2 okay so i did play that um i was always really into the uh the splinter cells oh my god don't even get me started you know what there is one thing i want to say now that you mentioned that i would love um an hd not remaster i want a remake of the first splinter cell game kind of in the way that they remade shadow of the colossus really yeah you know i'm talking about like ground up graphics controls kind of fix some of the jankiness where you could never hide if you were spotted in that game like if you were seen by an enemy you could totally break line of sight and hide behind a stair or crawl into a hole or something and they would they would literally follow you in and kill you Uh. so that was one of those games where stealth was um it was like you either had to never be seen or if you got seen you had to go full rambo and murder everyone which kind of destroyed the um, the stealth aspect of that game. And probably one reason why I never played more than a couple hours of the first game, although I will say that they did enhance that in the later games, That and, and each one got better in terms of stealth and, and um, um, gameplay diversity. Yeah. yeah, I thought they always did really well. I'm trying to remember the one that I played. It was on Xbox, I guess... I guess it wasn't the 360, but it was the first. It was an online co-op where you could do. Yes, the, that was Chaos Theory. That was yeah. on the original Xbox. Oh, that was so good. That, that was one of the my favorite multiplayer experiences, even to this day. I agree. I love that sort of co-op thing where you could tell that they they made that its own thing and they put a lot of time into it because this story was separate from the main game. But you still got to like feel like you were you were you were playing a part in the bigger picture. Yeah, yeah, I thought they did really well at encompassing a lot of the uh, the stealth and what and it then, actually means. Yeah, yeah, and then to to continue on um, in regards to upcoming games, uh, this is also another Ubisoft game that's coming out on March twentieth, and it's uh, Assassin's Creed Rogue. I have not played this one because this came out the same day as Black Flag, and I, you know, it's kind of hard to justify, especially to your your spouse, um, that you're going to spend, you know, double on two games of the same franchise. Um, so I I picked the I picked Black Flag over Rogue, even though I heard that Rogue was probably a better game. Really? And, no, I'm sorry. I'm 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 saying this wrong. Rogue came out at the same time as Unity. Oh, got it. Unity was for new con- new generation consoles only, and Rogue was for the old generation consoles. And it was a year after Black Flag, and it it borrowed a couple of the mechanics from Black Flag, a lot of the sailing and and ship combat, but it was a much shorter, more focused narrative, and that was where people were saying. Rogue was better than Unity because Unity was such a bug-riddled mess, and I have yet to play it, 
and I'm I'm excited to play it because you play as a defected assassin who turns into a Templar in this game. And I've heard that there's some unique gameplay wrinkles that kind of go along with that whole story mechanic. Whenever you told me that, I thought that was really interesting. Um, just kind of going through, I don't have a whole lot of knowledge of, about the Assassin's Creed. Um, before, I guess, I mean, except for Black Flag, and then I've played Origins up and down. But So seeing that, I think, would be a fun way to kind of expand the perspective on the, the gameplays and, and just kind of some of the series' history. So I think that's really neat. I'll be playing that. Yeah, I definitely would like to play it, too. I've heard it's shorter, like around 10 hours or so, as compared to the the 40-plus that I know you and I both got out of Origins. So I'm, I'm excited to play an Assassin's Creed game that's a little more story-focused without all of the other open-world stuff. But I do think that I've heard this game has a decent amount of, of exploration when it comes to sailing. There's this interesting part where your ship is upgraded to be able to go through ice and you're going um you're like going i believe it's up in the arctic you're taking the boat through this arc the arctic to find some sort of missing assassin artifact from what i believe interesting yeah go ahead i think that would be neat to see how they kind of because i like the style that they've always done with these games so seeing just kind of how they do the gameplay within the elements is always a lot of fun for me yeah, I agree. I um, and then of course we've got the Pharaohs DLC coming out in about a week, which uh, I'm excited. I really have to finish the hidden ones. Don't if anybody's listening. Um, I, I've been saying that now for the last month, so I, I feel a little guilty. I do plan on getting to that. I don't have much more left to do. I think I've got a couple missions and that's it. So I have, really have no excuse except to just sit down and finish it. Yeah, yeah, I really liked it. I think I beat it on the day that it came out. So I, uh, I need, I need to talk beat it to you. in one sitting. Yeah, like I need to talk to you about the end because there's a couple of things that I found really interesting. Okay, so on that note, I am going to before we meet again. I will finish the hidden ones, and we'll do. Maybe we can have a little discussion on it next time we 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 meet. Maybe, but it really, uh, I guess, realistically, you're beating that, and then as in the week after next. We get a new one in uh, the Pharaoh DLC, so we'll be able to kind of dive in there and and uh, get some new content. And they released, I believe it was this week, um, that we're recording this on a Saturday, so it was in the previous week, the uh, the tourist mode or however they're, whatever they're calling it. Oh, yes, the discovery mode. Yeah. I have heard some of my um, my fellow gamer friends talking about it and mentioning that it's it's pretty interesting, if not a little uh, elementary. But they, I've heard people saying that it, it is cool to have these guided tours within a video game, and you know they they do a fairly good job of being you know giving you information on the era without being biased or or kind of you know. M- imaginative um they were they were talking about it on another podcast where uh i believe it was split screen and they were one of the co-hosts was talking about how he did the alexandria tour and they were describing how the city was formed and the boundaries of the city and all this other stuff and they found it really interesting so i i have to jump in and and see what it's all about because i'm i'm it's interesting to see a game like assassin's creed where you're 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 murdering people from the tops of buildings and feeding them to animals and all this other stuff over the course of gameplay have this non-violent educational mode uh i i'm 
I think that's really interesting because Assassin's Creed has always done such a neat job with the history. So I'm excited to see them kind of take that a step further. Yeah, and I think this we, uh, I think it was our first podcast, um, but we had talked about whether or not we think that they're going to move on to uh, Asia or a different part of the world. And this is kind of one of the reasons why I think they won't is because they they really are putting so much stock into expanding this whole uh, Egyptian dialogue. And I think they could either go forward or in any part here, even if they move into Rome. I think that they've got a lot they can do here, and I, I think they'll do it well. Now I want to I want to add something there because I think maybe you missed this, but the CEO of Ubisoft said that they plan on supporting this game for the foreseeable future, but somebody I believe caught wind of either a trademark or a code name that was um, Assassin's Creed Dynasty, Ooh. and people are thinking that that refers to Chinese history. Um, because there was thinking that you know there was there was a side-scrolling Assassin's Creed game that took place. I want to say it was the Han Dynasty, and people are now uh, wondering if they're not going to take that and make it a full-fledged game, sort of in that that setting. Yeah, yeah, that would be really neat. I just I think if they could do like even that's one of the to jump around here the samurai themed Destiny Iron Banner armor was really cool. So just if they can do a couple different things. Um, you know, in that, I think that if they, I just, I want them to take their time with it. I don't want them to rush any part of it. Uh, make it, you know, build, don't even make it like Origins, but build on what they did well with Origins, you know, and make it a little bit better and then, you know, make that be the pinnacle of what it needs to be for the next couple of years. Right. I, you know, I like, I hope that they, they don't return to annualized sequels with Assassin's Creed. I'd like to see them support what they have now with Origins, with DLC content for, a, you know, the next year or the next two years, kind of it would be it would be cool to have a maybe a bigger side story in the Origins. Like we talked about a couple weeks ago, maybe have it be about Bayek and Aya or Aya in Rome or something and have it be like a nice sizable chunk that's a little bit easier to swallow than having a whole full-fledged Assassin's Creed main installment and then next year they can do the next big sequel in the Assassin's Creed franchise. Yeah, yeah I think that would be a pretty uh, that would be a good timeline. I think that, that that improves upon what Destiny's trying to do at the moment where it's like these little installments here that are making people angry um, and then trying to overhaul everything with these uh, expansions. I, I I think that Ubisoft has a good. They've they've learned how to keep their games interesting, which is something that I don't think a lot of developers are able to say at the moment. There a lot of other developers are having a hard time retaining players with these games, without you know trying to charge people an arm and a leg for microtransactions, whether that be cosmetics or or otherwise. Yeah, and that kind of goes back into even, like we played uh, this most recent event, we played quite a bit of it, and uh, I thought it was a nice change, I had a lot of fun, they're taking the game mode away, which makes sense, I mean it's a timed event, but even with all the loot we got, I got now I just have more um, more ghost shells than I can carry, and I have more uh, sparrows than I really care to have, 
So. Yeah, I got uh, probably 12 too many sparrows, and I never got the exotic emote, and that was one of the only things I had wanted. So despite all of the engrams, I was the one thing I didn't get. All right, so before we, we dive into too much of Crimson Days, let's take a break, and we'll, we'll come back to talk about why we enjoyed it and what we hope to see from future Destiny events. No. All right, so now we're going to talk about Crimson Days, and Travis, just tell me, did you like it? Yeah, I mean, overall, I I liked the I liked the game mode. Uh, we played a, little, a, a ton of that. I didn't actually jump into any PVE content, um, but you know, one of our histories is even through Trials of Osiris and Destiny One, we've always kind of it's been kind of you and I playing together, and then we've had many people rotate as uh, our third, and then our third That's and great. fourth. So these double game modes, we always tend to do well, and I think we did what we our winning ratio here was 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 really good it actually yeah it was so for anybody who who's listening travis tell them tell what what is crimson days what what did they do special for the doubles game mode that was different from normal destiny pvp so they uh went through and they your powers your grenade and your melee ability as long as you were within a proximity of your partner the recharge rate was was exponentially increased and uh which some people really liked, some people didn't. Um, overall, the whole thing was that there was a uh, there was a mechanic where you had to stay close to your partner, and uh, and that you guys would be able to feed off one another. And so it was kind of two people moving around the map, and then uh, it was the same as the survival gameplay, where uh, you know, except it was different. Instead of losing lives, it counted kills. And then at the end of the uh, the round, the team with the most kills wins. It goes to the best of four or the first to three. Yes. out of four rounds but if you tie two to two it goes to just an all-out elimination capture the flag moment uh, and i really thought they they nailed it with it i think they're talking now about rotating that in every so often which i think would be a lot of fun um but the overall i think they did well um there was an exotic sparrow that was the hard drop for that playlist we i, I did get that twice um and I didn't really care about the loot. I was just, I was upset that it, there was no gun, there was no armor or ornament or anything like that. It was all just these cosmetic-y, you know, things, which is what I did. Some, you know, people are going to complain about anything. Uh, what was your, overall, what was your opinion? I I thought that, and if, if anybody visits the, the blog, hopelessprofessionals.com slash blog, um, you will find a post that I wrote that says... Crimson Days makes Destiny PvP fun again with a question mark in parentheses because I will I will say I don't necessarily believe that Destiny 2 PvP was fun at all for myself anyway. I don't like the increased time to kill. I don't like the emphasis on team shooting. I don't like just the way that the flow of the game has gone. And if anybody goes back and, and remembers uh, playing Destiny 1, you could be a hero. You could get these amazing triple kills. You could do all of these things. And, and pulling that off in Destiny 2 is nigh impossible um, under normal circumstances. 
with Crimson Days, uh, the the amount of abilities that you had and the increased movement speed that you got when your partner died, all of the things that were going on really made the, the whole game mode exciting. And I, I mean, we did it post a couple clips to our Twitch where we just were having a blast. I know there was a scene where you tethered somebody and I jumped in behind you and we rocketed them <laughs> and we were hilariously cracking up at the absurdity of the whole thing. Um, and I, I just, I wanted to play more PVP that week than I have the entire time that this game has been released. Yeah. Yeah. It was the first time where, you know, like, like now if I sit down, like I want to play a game on the PC or something like that, where if I had time, I would, I wanted to play even a couple matches before I had, you know, left for work or I had to do something else. And, and I haven't had that for destiny two at all. Um, and that's that was reminiscent of you know us trying to fit a trials card in any time to do you know whatever <laughs> and uh, and I thought it was fun it was an interesting uh an interesting turn of events um but again and like what a lot of people say right now is it it's gone so you know it's gone yeah it, not even it was a week and that's it yeah I, I think two weeks would have been too long though realistically um but uh it, it what it showed me was that there's still potential here in this game for me to want to play it. Um, you know, I think there's a, a nice balance that needs to happen. I think the cooldowns were way too fast. Um, but it's also a part of it, you know, like find a, find a happy medium, see what's going on. And uh, but the good thing was not to cut you off, but it's that everybody had the same cooldowns. If you played the game mode, the way that it was described, if you stuck with your partner, you got cooldowns. And if you split up and your partner was died, or killed, I should say, <laughs> you were given an instant recharge of all your abilities. So it did play into this neat power fantasy. Right. And then, I mean, the argument against that is that there are those exotics, which for the first five days or so, because I think we played a little bit every day, I ran Night Stalker because that, that's just yeah. my favorite. And then I switched to the Shinobu's Vows with the double skip grenades. And, uh, it was a problem. I heard enough people saying that it was taking the, you know, it was just a total pain in the ass for, for people. So I wanted to see, you know, is it something that I can screw up or is it pretty easy? And then, you know, you jump in, you've got the cooldowns, you've got the extra grenade, and I'm throwing three grenades before <laughs> they can really, you know, even think about doing anything else. And, and so I get it. You know, there just needs to be some you know fine what? tuning. I think you make a good point there about. Maybe under certain circumstances, certain exotics might behave a little unpredictable. Shinobu's Val, for instance, having three skip grenades that are tracking, um, you know, across the map might be a little ridiculous. But I think the fact that that's not it, that is not the norm makes it OK for the most part in this situation. Yeah, I get what you mean. I mean, it's the same. There's always something. You know, so if that's a part of it, it's not difficult to, like, if you see, it's the same kind of stuff, like, uh, if somebody had a uh, final round sniper, you just identify it, you see what they're doing, and you start to kind of alter your play style, um, and that's just the way you do it. I mean, you play longer range. I mean, we did really well with team shots. Um, I think we have over 700, or I had over 700 enemies killed that they track with that little um, emblem, and uh, it was fun. You know, it's just, you can... You can change your gameplay as much as you want. The, that's really going to depend on how they um, do with the sandbox updates. Um, you know, if each gun can do more than 
it's easier to change your play style based on what somebody else is doing. And I think that that's what this game needs. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, and I will say now, with faction rallies coming out this week, I have not, I've not had a desire to play any Destiny. I logged in, I picked my faction, I played for about a half an hour, and I thought, this is not fun. This is the part of Destiny 2 that I don't enjoy. I don't enjoy playing the same thing for a couple tokens that I'm not getting I'm not getting a good loot to play time ratio with faction rallies and then the loot is not exciting and I'm also just not I'm not having fun like I was last week with the faction rallies event I faction rallies is a stupid event in my opinion they need to they need to make it more exciting in a way and i don't know how they do that unless it's like a pvp mode where maybe it's like 2v2v2 and it's different factions i I don't know that that's even possible but i think that could be fun but right now faction rallies is is not a fun event no not at all and uh it's the kind of thing and i i was listening to might have been fire team chat i don't know but they were basically saying that at this moment it doesn't really matter because i'd have fifty thousand glimmer so if Yes. Whatever I'm, you know, if I don't do anything, I, if the gun that everybody wants is available, I can just jump on and grab it. And that's yes, and I did exactly that last time. It was the sword. I forgot to jump on, and it, the new monarchy sword was for purchase. And I, I had a hundred thousand glimmer, and I bought it. And guess what? I'm back to a hundred thousand glimmer now. Yeah. In a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's. I just think that there's something missing there that uh, you know, and, and they're they're slowly going through and changing things. I think this is better than the last um, the last faction rallies where they had such a hard time. So them getting this right is a is a great thing. And then uh, they're moving on with the Iron Banner and the six v six. So I don't want to sit here and hate too much on faction rallies because it didn't right. exist in D one. So you know they just need to to keep getting it better, getting better at it. And eventually, you know, it'll just be another stepping stone in getting some of this stuff uh, kind of grind, grind, ground for, grinded for. <laughs> I just think that it needs to be it needs to be an exciting in a way that Crimson Days was exciting. Whether it's a unique ability difference or if, you know, like if you're say you're playing strikes with people that you're 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 allied with, maybe that makes your your abilities recharge faster or you get more orbs or something. Like it just needs to be more than just play public events, lost sectors for tokens, and then turn it in to hope that maybe you get the armor you want. Now I will say they remedied that by making it so that after you turn in two, four, six, eight, ten engrams, you can then purchase each piece of armor with each respective milestone. Which at least cool. at this point now, if I if I do decide to hit ten engrams, I can buy the helmet that I have not gotten yet out of any of the faction rallies. Like I really, I looked at the uh, the armor sets and the ornaments, and I think they look cool. I mean, if I if I was still in the same mode of like Destiny One, where it was really the only game that I owned at the time, you know, I could I could get it and play it and, and kind of grind it for those. It's just. The game doesn't have me in that position where it's like, okay, I like to play this game this much. What am I playing for this week? Okay, it's the faction rallies. I guess I'm going to get that because I'm going to be playing this game no matter what. What else is right. going on? And that's not a position that I'm in. No, but I do think that you made a, a good point by saying that they're implementing unique loot to the Nightfalls. 
which I'm excited to see if they can replicate some of the magic from Destiny 1 with the Grasp of Malak, the, the, the Imago Loop guns that are fun to use, that have cool perks. I, and they, I hope that they look cool. I, I really hope to see that maybe they do something exciting there. And then also 6v6 Iron Banner. I hope that it doesn't just turn into teams of six rolling as a squad, steamrolling other people. And I hope that it's maybe a little more tactical, a little more fast-paced, and not just, like I said, the the six-man team steamroller coming through and just wiping everybody. Well, they, from what I heard... They're doing it's rumble. It's a six-man team rumble. So I don't know if it's going to be twelve people. Like, it didn't make sense. Either they kept saying the wrong thing because they weren't saying mayhem, but they were saying rumble. Maybe they meant clash. Maybe, unless that that's that could be true. Uh, but I'll the, have to look at that. I started thinking about it, and if it's six v six, but there's twelve people, and it's everybody against everybody, and it's just your teams total kills against everybody all at the all at one time i thought that would be a really interesting way to do it uh, it doesn't make sense but i, I mean i'd play it so no i hmm. you know i i think i thought it was going to be 6v6 control like it was back in year one or i'm sorry destiny one but um well we will we will check on that and we'll we'll, we'll report we'll back a, yeah we'll post a correction in the podcast description just so that we can clarify exactly what 6v6 iron banner means um all right travis i before we leave here there's a couple other things i really want to touch on tell me about pc gaming this is something that is totally foreign to me at the moment but i'm dying to get into and you now have a gaming pc and i want to know what your experience is with that and what you're you're looking forward to uh so far i i jumped on and i made a steam account was the first thing that i did i realized i don't know what to do with the gaming pc so i had to google what people do and with them you know your help and david's help you know get on steam and buy a game and so uh i i bought the Witcher 3 and the DLCs plus with the Witcher 1 and 2 all for about $29. Jesus. And, yeah. And then um, I bought again through your help the Mass Effect trilogy for $8 through Origin. And so and that I, comes with a ton of DLC as well. Yeah. And I haven't moved I haven't moved forward with anything. Like I'm not jumping on whenever I get bored looking for things to buy. I'm kind of just sitting on it. Um, so I can try to be because I still want to buy games like the Shadow of, or Shadow of the Colossus and stuff, which uh, I want you to talk about how you did that review. Um, but right now I'm just we're streaming. I, I was able to uh, find out how to stream through OBS. Now I just I need a webcam. I need speakers too. I just have headphones in. Uh, but that's kind of where I'm at ultimately. Um, you know, it's kind of a, a bare bones type of start. But I've got a machine that can stream, um, and uh, it's a, a lot of fun. So you know, look for us uh, on Twitch and uh, and stop by and. Talk about The Witcher. Now, there's there's one thing I, I do want to ask. Have you have you played The Witcher Three? Oh I'm, no, no, I haven't even downloaded it. I don't have no. it downloaded. Oh, because I wanted to know if you were able to see it like a, a substantial upgrade in terms of frames per second, resolution, all that stuff compared to what you experienced on the PS4. No, I uh, I haven't even thought about it. I should probably do that though. Huh? Yeah, please. I would like for the next time we meet, I would like for you to, to take a game that we've played before, Tomb Raider, um, Witcher 3, something, and just say, like, well, this is what it looks like on the PS4, and this is what it looks like on PC. And, like, 
I want you to tell me, I don't know if I'll be able to go back or, yeah, it was cool, but I'm okay with either one. I'm just really interested to see what your experience, because I've heard from a lot of people that, yes, the PC looks great and it might be hard to go back to sub 60 FPS gaming, but the comfort level of a console does tend to trump everything else at times. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's interesting. I just I need a better chair. Um, I'm not considering The Witcher to be my my. Uh, I still using a keyboard and mouse. I don't have a controller. Um, I know that I can use a Bluetooth based controller, but I'm trying to learn how to do mouse and keyboard, um, which kind of means I'll wind up playing Destiny at some point. But um, so I'm just I'm interested to see what. Uh, what's actually going to happen whenever I get a, get into a game like Fortnite or if I ever actually buy PUBG like I've been talking about for six years. Um, you know, and, and playing those games where it's, you know, I, I can clutch pretty well on a controller, but what does it look like in a, uh, in a game on a keyboard and mouse? Even playing Destiny 2 on keyboard and mouse, I've heard is a just fundamentally different experience. Yeah, yeah, and you can also use hand cannons. Um, yes, I've heard so. that it, their hand cannons are insanely good. And I, I mean, if anybody goes back and watches our Crimson Days footage, you'll see that I had a blast using the Better Devil's hand cannon. So I can only imagine what it's like to be able to use any hand cannon that you want. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um. All right, so I think we've got one more topic here before we're done, and this kind of this kind of ties everything that we've been doing together within the last couple weeks. Um, so I've been dying to get a gaming PC because I want to get more into capturing game footage and creating just more video content for our website. And I, using the PS4 and PS4 software, the Share Factory software, I was able to make a video review for Shadow of the Colossus. And um, it was, it actually took me, I want to say it, it felt like it took a long time, but in all honesty, it was much quicker than I had expected it would have been when I first sat down to do it. Yeah. Um, so what I, what technically I, what I did was I, I wrote a review, like, you know, a words on a computer. I did that first and I published that to the site. And then I was, was sitting here messing around with share factory. And I thought, what, what if I took my review that I wrote and I found some gameplay clips and I just narrated the gameplay clips with the, the, the article that I wrote and I gave it a shot and I just did the introduction and I thought, this is kind of easy. It seems kind of cool. I'm just going to put together a five to six minute video and I'm going to read my review and, and I'm going to go from there. And in all honesty, it was, uh, I mean, I feel like it was a little rough because I'm not using the best equipment. I don't have a, you know, I don't have a, a, a gaming PC with video editing software. I don't have a good microphone at the moment to be able to record voiceover. But I do feel like the results came out much better than I initially anticipated. What, 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 what did you think watching the finished product? I was, I watched it specifically to give you a hard time about it. And, uh, and I don't want to say I was surprised. The reason that I, I was surprised at how well it turned out was because I tried to use Share Factory and I, I just didn't have 
I don't know if it was the patience or the overall knowledge of how to make some of these things work in my favor, but I couldn't do it. And then so whenever you said you were going through, I, I just, I didn't necessarily expect you to put something out, um, definitely not that quick and definitely not of that quality because of how, how limited I thought the software was. And so then for you to have posted that after, I mean, it took you, I think from a day and a half from whenever you said you were going to do it to when I was watching it. And it was good, you know, like I watched it and then I thought you did really well at your dialogue reflecting kind of what was going on in some of the clips. And it was fun for me realizing that that is actually you in the clips. Like it's not, you watch these IGN or some of these other things and you know that that's just like some pro game or gameplay will know that this is, you know, this is Damon going on. This is him actually beating this in this game and and talking about it. And I thought it was a, a more intimate side of, you know, going through instead of just writing something down, showing kind of what you were doing while you're talking about how you were doing it. Yeah. You know what? Finding, finding clips from my gameplay. And this is something that I want to do in the future, maybe with my next um, video review that I do. I'm, I'm limited right now in terms of video reviews to PS4 games because I don't have a gaming PC yet. And now when I do get a gaming PC, I cannot wait to make video reviews for, for switch games and for Xbox games and all that other stuff. Because I, I just, I, I think it'll be so much fun to, to, to do all of that. But th- going back through my clips that I recorded as I played this game, and I, I did not have the foresight at the time to record all as much as I could. And going forward, I think I will record as much as I possibly can the next time I want to do a review. So I do have more things to kind of go along with what I'm saying. Um, finding clips in my gameplay footage that that um, coincided with what I was reading it was more difficult than I initially anticipated. But when I was able to find them and put them together, I, I was quite pleasantly surprised by the results because it's fun to say like you know climbing on the back of a massive beast and you see in the video here's my character you know 300 feet in the air clinging for dear life as this 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 creature is just careening through the air there's a pterodactyl i I think it's like a bird it's pterodactyl (laughs) that's what i thought it was but that was fun. It was fun to find gameplay clips that went along with my dialogue. And I want to do more of that. I want to do more of taking stuff and putting it together. I, and I want to I want to experiment more with effects. There's, there are video effects. There's text effects. There's transitions. There's all these different things on ShareFactory that I did not use this time. But the one thing that I will say that made it easier to use ShareFactory was that it was extremely similar to using GarageBand. And I've used GarageBand a lot, one, to write and record original music, and then two, to do the podcast that we do now. ShareFactory shares a lot of the same controls where you have like a, a block of footage or audio that you just slide around a timeline and you can speed it up or slow it down and, and do all sorts of little things to that. You can split, you can join. And, and I think that my experience that I had using GarageBand gave me just a small head start when it came to using ShareFactory. 
Yeah, that's that's neat because even now, like I look at GarageBand as we're recording this, and I just have more questions than uh, than I would know what to do with. So um, I kind of look forward to seeing some of your clarity reflect in your coming reviews, and then uh, that helping me understand and hopefully being able to put out something similar. Yeah, it was fun, and you know what the the, the fun thing about it was just saying screw it i'm gonna make it and i'm gonna put it out there and i it's i don't really care i i just i wanted to do it and kind of get any sort of of response because this it's like and i i did make a little update to the blog yesterday where i said like i want to devote more time to making video content like that because i think it's 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 kind of more fun to do that than it is to just be writing stuff all of the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's fun. You know, nobody nobody should ever say no to more content. So being able to write but then show yeah. know, something else like this, um, I think is a is a great way to to try to engage um, into not only what we're playing but you know showing what we're playing and showing how we're playing because if sometimes we're pretty good at games, sometimes we're not very good at games. So just kind of helping. <laughs> you know each other out and seeing what's going on and, and tips and tricks and somebody saying hey you know it looks like you're making that way harder because that's what i'm great at is is these objective based things oh yeah yeah, yeah. most uh, most things in my life i do that um but uh but yeah no i think that that was cool um i think that about i think that about, that about wraps it up so um all right well let's let's what we're going to do for next time is we're going to we're going to have a bunch of stuff to play and we're going to be streaming a lot more on Twitch I think in the coming weeks we're probably going to get into some some Fortnite um squads or battle royale for fun don't forget to check us out at twitch.tv slash hopeless professionals uh Travis what would you like to add here? Yeah, um, so I'm a, there's I think five people total that watch The Witcher One. Um, so if you want to come be the sixth and uh, you know follow me while I struggle with OBS and uh, <laughs> you know just play that game that I've wanted to play for so long, we're going to jump into Fortnite probably on PS4. Uh, so we'll have cameras for those streams and just try to you know get a little sweats in. Uh, otherwise, you can. Always follow us on what we're doing at uh, Twitch. We're Hopeless Professionals on Twitch. We're Hopeless Pros on Twitter. Hopeless Professionals, one word, on Instagram. And then two word hope, two words, Hopeless Professionals at Facebook. All of this coming together at HopelessProfessionals.com. Yeah, and please, we, you know, I, I'm going to reiterate this every week until somebody finally writes in. But give us your questions, um, your feedback, because, like I said, if you write to us, you will be read on the podcast. And I can't wait to finally read somebody's questions or comments. Um, and no, Travis, I will not read your questions or comments. I, I'm going to reiterate that again. So do not, Travis, don't write in. I'm going to make a new email. I'm be like, <laughs> your video sucks. <laughs> Uh, all right, everyone. Well, thanks for hanging out. Uh, this will be we episode three of our podcast here, and we will catch you guys soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. Later. Later.